0: welcome to our beyond 20 campaign a celebration of one joshua group's 20 years of service excellence this is a one joshua group production providing access to information and experts to help improve quality of life and health outcomes Well, thank you for joining us for our Beyond 20 campaign, and we're extremely excited today to be joined by Dr. Catherine Alicia Georges. And Dr. Georges is uh, president of the National Black Nurses Foundation, amongst other luminariate opportunities, including um, Professor Emerita at City University of New York. Dr. Georges, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Today we're gonna talk about a very important subject that will impact our lives and our careers, and that is nursing leadership. And who better to have that discussion than with Dr. Georges? Uh, Dr. Georges is a living legend. Um, She's done that by her long, hard work. And I want to ask you, Dr. Georges, first of all, why is it important that we develop nursing leadership?
1: It's critical because of the ongoing chronicity of diseases and the issues that exist, particularly for me as a Black uh, person, in communities of color. It is extremely important because right now, less than 6% of Black nurses are in leadership positions in this country. 6% or less. It's critical because this country is changing. You know, by 2050, it will no longer be majority white. It will be, the people of color will be the dominant population. So it's important right now that we develop a a nursing workforce that reflects the evolving community. So it's important to have people in leadership positions who will enhance and support and mentor and coach the emerging leaders, the nurses that are going to, that are being educated now, and that will be our future um, generational nurses and nurse leadership.
0: So Dr. Georges, we're talking about nursing leadership and we're talking to you about nursing leadership. What do you see are primary and essential qualities and characteristics for those people who evolve into nursing leadership responsibilities?
1: Well, one, I I firmly believe that, that nurse leaders must be trustworthy, an important piece. They must have integrity. They must understand and be supportive of the we, not the me, approach to things. They must be committed to working with people from different backgrounds within nursing, and be culturally competent, or maybe I should say have cultural humility mm-hmm. in really understanding where people are, where they want to be, and how they can be assistive in helping them in their career goals. Nurse leaders have to also be be willing to be mentors and willing to be coaches mm-hmm. for the next generation of nurse leaders. So,
0: um, Dr. George, as you shared with us uh, the importance of nursing leadership and workforce development. Are we doing a good job in helping to create that workforce that will generate nurse leaders?
1: Well, in the last 30 years, we've gotten a little better, but we still have not reached where it should be. Right now, when you look at the nursing population in this country, Mm -hmm. um, black nurses uh, were back in 30-some years ago, maybe they were 4.7 percent, we're only 7.6 or less than 8 percent. That's not such a good thing. As we have increased in the population in this country, our other uh, um, colleagues, the Hispanics, fastest growing population, their numbers are not good. Native Americans, you know, not good. And and so we haven't done as good a job, I think because we've been using the same old, same old strategies, and that has not worked. Mm-hmm. So um, as nurse leaders and as leaders of organizations such as NBNF, we have got to begin to look at other ways that we can bring people into mm-hmm. the profession. And not only bring them in, make sure they they not just get to nursing programs, but Mm -hmm. they stay, Mm -hmm. they graduate, and they pass NCLEX, and that we then follow them and monitor so that Mm -hmm. they can move into the graduate programs and become the nurse leaders that we we need.
0: So you've talked about being strategic in our training. Um, You've mentioned being strategic in how we mentor and coach. Who does a person like Dr. Catherine Alicia Georges, look to at your stage in your career to be coached and to be mentored.
1: I look for at people who have um, who have been in the profession, mm-hmm. people outside of nursing. We we need to remember that it's we don't just need nurses as the mentors and coaches. Mm-hmm. We need other people outside of our profession who have the the expertise to be assistive in helping us. I, at this point in my career, um, look for many different kinds of persons, people like yourselves and your your folks that work in the One Joshua group, who have the expertise in many things that I don't know, Mm -hmm. who can help me, mentor me, coach me, into being more creative and innovative because one of the big issues we're missing is the technology, the emerging AI. So I'm looking for people who will be assistive in helping me in maintaining Mm -hmm. what I can by being in those, um, learning from them. Um, And then also really looking at a more global approach Mm. and look at, I've looked at some of the nurse leaders that I know across the world who have been assistive with me and who I will continue to work with as I learn from them and they learn from me. And um, as I begin to look at some of the things that I can do now across the world as a Fulbright specialist in working with other communities and universities, Mm. I will learn from them as they will learn from me.
0: So you just stole my thunder. I was going to mention your... New appointment as a Fulbright scholar in the global world of uh, nurse leadership. Tell us about that. Tell
1: us about well, it's a program. Fulbright specialist, and it it's um, countries look at your resume. Your that's on the um, this is part of the United States State Department, mm-hmm. and they look at at your what you your background, and then you get an opportunity if they don't you know some. Um, Entities may choose a specific person, or you can look at the portal, and you can decide, you know, which one of those countries you feel you fit in best with. And those appointments, anyway, from two weeks to six weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I look forward to it because I think we need to, to bring... To this country and to the rest of the world, the expertise of people from so many different backgrounds. I think it makes us better, Mm -hmm. you know, and and makes us, at least for me as a nurse and as um, an emerita profession and professor and working still in some academic, um, you know, opportunities, that we do this because it's important for for our Mm -hmm. nurses and other health professionals Mm -hmm. and just people to learn about each other.
0: So let's step back for a minute to your days in the visiting nursing association. Um, how has that contributed to your becoming a nurse leader?
1: Well, I uh, started out after I left Seton Hall University College of Nursing in New Jersey, and I came to um, New York. And with in the visiting nurse service, I, I lived in the Bronx and I worked in the Bronx. Now today, the Bronx is, um, 60% of the people's primary language is Spanish. Mm. Um, it the, has the worst health indices in the entire state of New York, the number 62 of 62 counties, which mm. is not a privilege and it's not something we should be bragging about. But when I started out in visiting nurse service, the population was different. And so I had to learn how to work with people in those days. You know, I could see a newborn who was forty eight hours mm-hmm. old on a given day and see somebody who was in hospice before it was hospice mm-hmm. at home in the same day I could see people who were five years old and people who were pregnant and people who were you know changing teaching families how to to do wound care how to take care of families that's changed it's changed from then to now where they've really begun to you know I think separate and make not they're no generalists they make it so very siloed, but it taught me a lot it mm-hmm. taught me how to work with with people from all from different backgrounds mm-hmm. um i because I spoke spanish i got <laughs> i got a lot of spanish speaking um folks um but it also helped me to see and i over that time you see i saw where the where the bronx used to be and then how it began to deteriorate mm-hmm. when when all the resources were withdrawn from communities when new people moved in and didn't have the access you know so i saw that demise i'm also now seeing its rejuvenation mm-hmm. you know in in where resources are now being put into the to the bronx there are new people uh, new immigrants who are taking over, who are doing businesses, they're younger people. Um, you know, the public housing, you know, has changed. Um, so it, it's different, but I learned so, so much. Um, you know, we walked in those days, we didn't drive. So one, can, one walked, We you learned about the history of the Bronx, you learned the, the topography and mm. the geography and you knew where to go, you know, where people were, where they, they hung out, like I would, some patients, I I always know I could find them sitting in front of the bank on their chairs if it was a sunny day, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if when we and they'll say, "Oh, here comes my nurse," you know, because they were they were they were community. Mm-hmm. We had clearly defined communities in those days.
0: So, Dr. Catherine Alicia Georges is joining us today, and she's of many things, president of the National Leg Nurses Foundation. We want to talk to her also about her ascension, if you would, from um, that uh, position being in the um, visiting nursing services to some of her other positions, Dr. Georges. How does a nurse in leadership become the volunteer president of the largest consumer organization in the world, AARP?
1: Well, it's your work speaks for you in in the words of the negro spiritual. Mm -hmm. And so because of my consistent work in community, being active in in my community in the Bronx, also because people knew of me Mm -hmm. and so people were willing to put my name forward to the nominating committee and the search committee, um, the search firm of AARP. let no one fool you that I didn't have to go through an interview process with a number of very, you know, clearly defined um, questions. And I was able to answer because I guess I displayed my passion and my commitment Mm -hmm. to making changes. And as one was getting older, one saw themselves evolving over time and knew what needed to be done for older adults in this country. It was... 10 years of learning for me and a wonderful experience um, and me um, learning about um, not just the issues of older adults in this country, but working with people from very, very different Mm -hmm. backgrounds in AARP and understanding that what AARP was about because it was an older woman, you know, and I tell people when I became president of AARP, I was the um, the age of the the, the founder, mm-hmm. Dr. Ethel um, You know, um, Aunt Percy Andrews, who founded mm-hmm. um, AARP, and I felt great because she was the one who was a former school teacher who went out and saw how badly things were for people of um, older mm-hmm. retirees in this country. And so I seen it in my community. I saw how all the people have not been treated well. I see how I'm not treated well as soon as they figure Mm -hmm. you're a certain age and color. So that was important to me. And I I guess my work spoke for me, Mm -hmm. as I said.
0: So um, congratulations on that. And also your um, recent position up until recently uh, being chairman of Easter Seals. So looking at what one does to get to those leadership positions. So let's talk about the nursing student. And let's talk about black nursing students, black women, men in nursing. Are there challenges for people of color entering the nursing profession and staying Mm -hmm. in the nursing profession?
1: Yes, um, it is. Again, it depends on, you know, what school you're going to. Let us not fool anyone. Racism is alive and well in our institutions of higher learning in this country and nursing schools are not exempt from that. You know, it is there. The chronicity of racism prevails. So it's tough for many of our, and I can speak for large urban settings, Mm -hmm. where those students you know, come from very different backgrounds. They're the first generation going to college, so that in and of itself is hard. Getting into a nursing program where you it's it's required that you have high grades in the sciences, and if you don't make it, you don't mm. you know. And taking standard you know exams for admission, and so when you go to some of these places where they don't have the resources, mm. they can't be assistive to students' growth and helping them to to maneuver those rigorous careers, rigorous schedules. Um, And if they don't have role models, Mm. people that look like them, who they Mm. can talk to, who they can work with. So it's critical for us in organizations such as the National Black Nurses and some of the other organizations to to go and work with students, to make sure that we have available the persons who they can see and use as role models. But we also have to be insistent that mm-hmm. these schools provide services to these students. And, and we haven't done a good job. Mm-hmm. Now. We've said, oh, well, it's the school oh it's the student. We can't, we gotta stop blaming the student. Mm-hmm. You know, having been in, in academia for 48 years, we can't blame the students. Mm-hmm. It's a two way street. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to do something to help those students. And then we've got to encourage the students to join organizations mm-hmm. on the campus that would be helpful uh, and in, in, in the external environment mm-hmm. where there are organizations that have student you know, support.
0: So we're gonna come back to um, your direction on people who are interested in moving into nursing leadership positions, but I wanna share a personal story about service. Mm -hmm. and um, you and I have known each other for, we're not gonna tell our ages, for a long time. Um, And I've been able to observe your work and um, observe your passion, your compassion, but most of all your ability to be able to get things done, to create coalition, the the importance of coalition building in any leadership uh, arena. Um, we were in Kailiche in South Africa, mm-hmm. and you will remember this. Um, we were at an AIDS clinic uh, with some of the uh, most renowned physicians around the world, some directors of the National Institutes of Centers, uh, centers, institutes, and centers in the NIH. And we were out in this AIDS this village, as I'd said. And we sat there with a mother um, and watched her child die on the floor of this clinic. And the interesting part about that, as you will recall, there were about eight, 10, 12 people. Mm -hmm. Um, As the child died, the physicians left the clinic. It was the nurses who kneeled to the floor and consoled the mother and the child as the child passed. And that has been something that's always stuck in my mind because that is a part of the greatness of service Mm -hmm. that we've heard you speak about in nursing leadership. So, and just being a good person, being a good leader, and being able to take advantage and utilize your passion and your compassion to be successful. So what is your word of wisdom? For people who are interested in pursuing a nursing career, what should your number one and number two be to encourage, or maybe not encourage in some cases, Mm -hmm. people to pursue a career in nursing?
1: Well, nursing is human caring. If you don't have that aspect of caring, it's not a profession for you. You've got to care about people where they are now, where they're going, and what they could be, just as you do for yourself about where you are, where you want to be, and where you're going. You've got to be able to mesh that. You also have to be able, as in nursing, to come understanding that you've got to have the science and the skills and the knowledge. Um, It's not just caring, but it's all the other things that go along with being a nurse, that you've got to be willing to step out, step out, Speak out and be an advocate for patients and their families. But not only that, not just advocating, but taking action. And when you see that something is wrong, that you stand up for what's right because it's right. And if you can't do that, if you don't feel that people can trust you or that you have the integrity, it's not the profession for mm-hmm. you. So my, my word is, you, first you have to have the, the passion for human caring. You've got to be willing to continue to, to learn and continue to learn. And you've got to many times step aside and speak up on behalf of those who are being, I don't want to call them, you know, who are not being cared for mm-hmm. in the manner in which they should. Mm-hmm.
0: So I have to share something else in Alicia's parents and Her grandson calls her the nurse of the world, um, and she is indeed that. She is indeed the nurse of the world. Um, And I thank her for being my friend and for being my mentor. And we thank you for joining us for our Beyond 20 campaign. And we thank Dr. Catherine Alicia Georges, who's president of the National Black Nurses Foundation, amongst other responsibilities and other passions, for joining us as we approach our Beyond 20 campaign. And as Dr. Georges would say, be kind, be compassionate, and we look forward to seeing you on the leadership, le- on the leadership lab level for those people who pursue uh, careers in nursing. This edition of Beyond 20 is a Life Beat podcast sponsored by One Joshua Group, your strategic source of engagement to improve life through better health, education, and information. For more information, visit us at theonejoshuagroup.com or follow our work on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using hashtag OneJGCollabs. One Joshua Group. Building capacity, expanding resources, joining what you know with what we've learned.